Talking Dharma podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's podcast is called Make No Assumptions. It is inspired by Osho. One of Osho's main teachings for how to be harmonious in all relationships is to be consistently inconsistent. One of his meditations, as translated from the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra, which is a tantric text that contains 112 meditation techniques to help reach self-realization, says... See as if for the first time a beauteous person or an ordinary object. So the meditation says, See as if for the very first time a beautiful person or an ordinary object. And this meditation technique is about not assuming. It's about realizing every single day we are reborn. And every single moment, essentially, we are being reborn. Every moment we have the opportunity to see the world through a fresh perspective. We have an opportunity to experience life with naked eyes. And when I say naked eyes, I mean we're not seeing life from these projections of all the way things should be. Instead, we're seeing life from a place of, wow, I'm here right now and this is what I'm taking in. And based on my ability to be present, and observe what's happening, I get to respond in whatever way feels most appropriate. And this is basically what being consistently inconsistent is. It's the art of not holding anyone to being a certain way. Whether it's your partner, or your family, or your friends, or your students, or your colleagues. Anytime we assume that someone acts only certain ways, Anytime they act in a way that is outside of that range of assumption will tend to create disharmony in the relationship. Because if someone acts in a way that we're not expecting, we tend to apply the shoulds onto them. We tend to tell them, well, you shouldn't be acting this way. Why are you doing this? You should be doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Right? All assumptions are based on past experiences. So if we live our life and treat others from this assumption-based perspective, it's like having a crazy viewfinder over our eyes that doesn't allow us to see things as they really are. All of our assumptions kind of block our ability, indeed, to see things as they are. And whenever we're relating with others or ourselves in a way that always expects consistency, then we're locking others and or ourselves into this box of shoulds and shoulds nots. And well, I've always done it this way, so I have to do it this way now as well. But if you've always done something a certain way and you're forcing yourself to carry that through, you have to ask, is it actually serving me? Is it actually what I want to be doing in this present moment? And if the answer is no, then 
It's up to us to realize that we are totally free to change our minds as many times as we need to, as long as it feels in accordance with our highest good, then we are allowed to do whatever we need to do. Even if it's not in accordance with your highest good, if you're feeling a strong urge to do something, trust it. We're being led to our highest good, whether we realize it or not. The idea of being consistently inconsistent is the idea that every single day you wake up, you have the freedom to decide who you are, how you want to behave, how you want to look, how you want to dress, how you want to carry yourself into this world. If we always force ourselves to be a certain way, then we lock off our inherent, innate, creative essence. Something that I've learned from creative energy within myself is that it's not consistent. One day I'm feeling really called to make a painting. The next day I'm feeling called to create an awesome yoga workshop. And the next day I'm feeling called to dress in a crazy way and I don't feel an artistic energy at all. Being consistently inconsistent is basically the ability to be with how you are in the moment. It's the ability to tune into what is arising within you in the moment and then trust it and follow through with whatever action you feel called to do. When this meditation says, see as if for the first time a beauteous person or an ordinary object, it's saying, can you see life with an open heart? all the time. In the morning when you wake up and see your beloved, can you see that person for who they are in that moment rather than who you've always thought they were based on past experiences? Even if the person looks the exact same day in, day out, it's really helpful if we realize that everyone is allowed to change their mind. Everyone is allowed to essentially create their own masterpiece of themselves every single day, every single moment. For example, maybe one day my partner wakes up and he wants to drink tea and have a conversation about philosophy. Maybe the next day he wakes up and wants to go straight to work on his music. If I'm holding him to always waking up and drinking tea and having these philosophical conversations, then I'm going to get really upset when he doesn't fit that mold. And if I try to force him to fit that mold, it creates division between us. So when it says, see as if for the first time, a beauteous person, it's saying, see that person for where they're at. Attempt to meet them where they are rather than trying to force them to be somewhere that they're not. In my opinion, this is what creates most blockages in relationships, especially with your significant other. Whenever we always try to push someone to be the way they've always been, we not only force them into a corner and force them into this corner of inauthenticity. But subconsciously, we also put the same pressure on ourselves. 
It's like food choices. If one day I want to have pancakes for breakfast, great. If the next day I want to fast and do yoga and then eat a great big green salad, great. Is one better than the other? Well, who's to say? I'm sure we could say, well, you know, medically a salad is way better than pancakes. But if I'm desiring pancakes and I try to force myself to eat a salad, I'm going to eat that salad and still be wanting pancakes. So if you want pancakes, eat pancakes. You see what I mean? It's a big metaphor. Whatever you are feeling called to do in this life, it's up to you to trust that if you're feeling called to do it, it's for you to do. So many times I've worked with people that are afraid to make changes in their life. And their fear is not based on the actual change itself. Their fear to make changes is based on other people's opinions of them. What will my family think? What will my children think? What will my colleagues think if I do this? And I would like to invite a perspective shift. Instead of prioritizing caring about what other people think about us, it's really time for us in this new paradigm to prioritize what we think about ourselves. Only we ourselves know if we are being authentic in the moment. And for me, there's no greater um, crime against existence than to be inauthentic. The moment that I'm not being real with myself is the moment I fail to follow my heart's deepest desires. So the idea of being consistently inconsistent is basically the idea of always following what you feel called to do in your heart. Whether it be something simple like what you're going to eat for breakfast or something huge like making major life changes. The ability to embrace how we're feeling in the moment takes courage. Being consistently inconsistent it takes work sometimes because it's easy just to fall into that autopilot of, okay, I did this yesterday, I'll do the same thing today. And if it serves you, wonderful. Like I know for me, for example, for the last few years, I was really enjoying going to Mysore. For those of you who don't know, Mysore is Ashtanga yoga, but it's self-guided. So you're in a room with lots of people who are all doing their own Ashtanga sequence based on where their body's at and based on what the teacher has um, offered them. And for many years, I would wake up at 5.15. I think it was probably like two years that I did this. And I would go to Mysore and practice with my teacher. And it brought me a lot of joy. One day, suddenly, I started to find it really difficult to wake up at 5.15 in the morning. I don't know what shift happened in me. I don't even think it's important to know. All I know is that suddenly I wanted to sleep until 7.30 and then wake up and practice at home and be in the comfort of my own home. And as much as I miss my teacher, I have trusted myself to follow that. So I haven't gone to Mysore in a few months. And it's not that I, I'm not grateful or that I don't want to go. It's just that right now, something different is coming through. A different energy is prompting me. I'm having a deeper need to be in my own personal space. 
I feel like a caterpillar in a cocoon who's, who's transforming or transmuting some stagnant energy. And I feel like it's better for me to be alone while I do it. If I was holding myself or forcing myself to continue to go to Mysore throughout all of this, I might be more prone to project something onto someone that I don't want to project. And so I've trusted that. I've trusted that it's better for me to sit with myself while I go through these transformations. And then I trust that one fine day, I will naturally be able to wake up super early again and show up for my sort with my teacher, right? So it's not that being consistently inconsistent means, you know, oh, one day you're this way and the next day you're the total opposite. It might be really subtle. It might be just a small difference between going and taking a group class or practicing on your own. On the other hand, being consistently inconsistent might be that one day you're super like grounded, you're feeling really, you know, health conscious, you want to study. And the next day you go out dancing all night and don't sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon. Which one is better? Neither. The idea here is that everything that we can choose for ourselves, or everything that is choiceless, that is being chosen for us and compelling us from our own heart's desires, it's all equal. All the experiences that we can undergo are equal in the way that they help wake us up. They help wake us up to our higher nature. And it's just like nature, you know. Every year, the avocado tree in my backyard creates new avocados. Does it look the exact same every year? No, it doesn't. Maybe one year it's got small avocados. Maybe the next year it has avocados the size of my head. And maybe the year after it doesn't have any avocados at all. The beauty of it is that it's not the same. Right, And that's the beauty of being alive is that we don't have to be the same every day. And when we really realize that for ourselves, it also translates into respecting others' choices. The ability to respect others' choices is the ability to fully recognize that everyone is entitled to embrace who and what they are in the moment. If we live life saying, I really should do it this way, or I've always done it that way, or even worse, I never do this, then suddenly when that urge or if that urge to do what you never do arises within you, you're going to feel conflicted. If we're always telling the world who and what we are exactly, if we're always labeling ourselves, then we pigeonhole ourselves and we make it so we're trapped. And if we do something opposite from what we've always said we've done, we look like a hypocrite. So what I've learned from studying Tantra, especially Osho, is that we don't need to define ourselves. We can see ourselves as that beauteous person that we're seeing for the first time every single morning. Every morning when we wake up, there is this ripe opportunity to say, who am I today? What am I feeling? 
and then to trust what arises and follow through with acting upon those impulses. It's natural to cling to consistency. That's the tough part about this all. Consistency is another word or a synonym for the word routine as well. And for many of us, we need some type of routine to feel grounded and to stay on purpose. So I'm not saying don't have a routine, don't hold yourself to anything. Yet at the same time, don't get caught in forcing yourself to do things that don't feel organic in that moment. You see, we attempt to gain ground by attaching to consistency. Consistency equates to comfort for a lot of us. Like, for example, if my partner always behaves one way, I'll find it comforting. If one day he fails to behave that way simply because he's trusting his own urges, if I'm overly attached to him acting in that way, I'm going to be upset, right? It's like whether he's having tea or going straight to work. What does it matter if the love is still there, if the mutual respect and reverence is still there, then what does it really matter if the small surface details change? It's the same with ourselves. As long as we are staying connected to ourself and our heart and following the energy that we want in our life and taking steps towards implementing our goals for the sole purpose of living the life we've always dreamed of, what does it matter if we make shifts on the surface of our appearance? or our diet, or what time we do yoga in the morning, or in the afternoon, or at midnight. What does it matter? As long as it's happening, what does it matter? And even if it doesn't happen, we put guilt on ourselves. For example, for not doing yoga. I was talking to one of my partner's colleagues, and he was saying he quit doing yoga altogether because any day that he would miss his practice, he would feel guilty. You see, and this is what robs the joy out of life, is if we keep putting assumptions or expectations on ourselves to be a certain way. The minute we assume that we're always going to be a certain way is the minute that we force ourselves to regurgitating the past. And regurgitating the past is called reactivity. If we're always moving from a reactive state, it's like we're constantly recoiling and readjusting what we're feeling rather than trusting what we're feeling and following that. The Buddhists have this term, they call it groundlessness. And groundlessness means that the ground is always falling out beneath you and that there's nothing to cling to in this earth. Nothing that you hold on to will ever actually help you gain ground. I always get this image when I think of groundlessness as someone trying to scale up a sheer cliff and it's made out of a sand dune. And every time they gain a couple of feet up the cliff, they slip down 10 feet. And this is what clinging to consistency is like. It's like we might feel like we get ahead of the game or that we gain ground for a split moment. But in the bigger scheme of things, clinging to consistency 
and making assumptions that things always need to be a certain way. It's just another form of attachment. And attachment is a slippery slope because the reality is you cannot hang on to anything in this life. As long as things can change, they will eventually leave you. So groundlessness is this idea of totally accepting that you are always free falling through this life and that nothing you do or say or cling on to is going to save you from this reality because this is the one constant in life is that things will always shift and that nothing is permanent in this material realm. So for us to cling to things, trying to force them to be consistent or force things to be a certain way is for us to cling to an illusion which will never actually be the true nature of reality. So groundlessness is this beautiful concept because it says you don't need to hang on to anything, you know. I find sometimes for myself, I try to gain ground emotionally by doing different things. Like, for example, if I'm feeling a little bit empty, I might eat a lot one day trying to fill the void. But you know what? It doesn't work. Or maybe I'm feeling a little bit lonely, so I reach out to friends and have company. And it might alleviate the loneliness, but the source of that feeling of disconnect is not solved by chasing external things, whether it be relationships or connections or food. Or some people do retail therapy when they're feeling empty. I know for me, sometimes if I'm feeling really uninspired and I'm just kind of feeling blah, I'll get online and start shopping. And I'll kind of laugh because I know at the time I'm trying to gain imaginary ground. I'm trying to fill the void I feel within myself. But the only way we can actually fill that void is to realize it does not need to be filled. That that empty state we're feeling, if we can just shift our perspective a little bit, it's actually a good thing. It's good to feel empty because that emptiness gives us space to experience life as it is rather than all the garbage we project onto life, all the things we think life should be, all the ways we assume that reality will always be the same. These all will disappoint us again and again. Assumption is attachment and attachment is suffering. Whether we, we be attached to pleasure or attached to never feeling discomfort or attached even to the ones we love, we eventually will realize that none of those things remain. Even if you're married and you stay with that person for your entire life, someone has to die. In fact, we all do. You know, sometimes when I'm in a room full of people, I'll remind myself, you know what? We all have something very important in common. And that which we have in common is that we are all going to die. That is the one thing you can trust in this life is that you too are going to die. And knowing that that is the only fixed thing in this life, it can either scare you or it can be a liberating idea. 
Like, wow, nothing has to be a certain way. I get the privilege to decide what I want to be, who I want to be. It might seem so shallow, but even in the realm of external appearances, you can change how you present yourself to the world. And there's no shame in it, you know? We just went to a Halloween gathering, and I wore a purple wig. And this wig looked just like my real hair. It was a trip, actually, how much it looked like my real hair. And I had all of these people ask me, Oh my God, I can't believe you dyed your hair purple. What got into you? Oh my goodness, that's hardcore. And I was laughing because, of course, I told them, well, it's a wig. But I also thought, that's so funny. If Imagine that I did dye my hair purple. What would people think? And even if it wasn't a negative thought, just the fact that making some minor shift could create such waves for people around me. It was a big metaphor. Like, wow, like, this is what we're up against sometimes, you know? We can't help but view others from how we've always seen them because that's how what we remember the person. Like when I think of my best friends in my mind's eye, I see their faces. I remember the external details of what they look like. I remember how I feel when I'm around them, right? But I have to remind myself that at any given moment, these people whom I think I know so well, I actually don't know well at all because if they're living their life from a place of true present moment awareness, then they might be a very different person from one day to the next. And I'm not talking about schizophrenia. I'm just talking about, you know, the ability to change as needed. Because change is happening no matter what. It's inevitable. It's happening. So when we cling to consistency, we're also stagnating. We're forcing ourselves into a square-shaped box. And maybe we're not a square anymore. Maybe we're a circle. You know what I mean? In the energetic sense of things. It's okay to change. In fact, it's only natural. It's only part of this great mystery of life is that things are constantly in fluctuation there's no ground to cling to every time we think we gain ground it's important to remember in fact we're actually free falling in a way that is a little less free if we can just realize there's no ground to gain nothing that we put in our bodies can fill us no relationship can make us complete, then suddenly we don't strive to or cling on to those things. Instead, we can just coexist. We can say, okay, this brings me joy, therefore I'll do it. But know that what's actually bringing you joy is coming from inside. If something outside that you do for yourself or for others brings you joy, realize you doing it is actually bringing the joy out of you. It's not giving you joy. It's just that the external circumstance is squeezing the joy from your heart out into the periphery of every cell of your being. It's like juicing an orange, right? The juice doesn't come from the external skin. 
It comes from the inside, the fleshy, soft bit. It's like us. The joy doesn't come from the external. It comes from the deepest, fleshiest, most vulnerable part of ourselves, which is our heart, our spiritual heart, the source of divine presence that dwells within every living being. That is the one thing that is consistent with all living beings, is that we have this same divine source. And it dwells within the heart of hearts of all of us. It permeates every single cell within our body. And this divine source is open to interpretation. Think about it like this way. If you give six different artists a full blank canvas and a set of paints and tell them to paint a flower sitting on a desk, every single artist will paint that flower differently. And this is how the divine energy is. The divine energy is like that blank canvas with all of these beautiful fresh paints. What each of us does with this divine energy depends on where each of us is at in our lives, in our emotional bodies, in our karmic expression. So to see a beauteous person or an object as if for the first time is to say, all right, right now, how does the divine energy want to be channeled through me or through what I'm observing in existence? It's like watching the sunset or the sunrise. It's different every single time. There is a predictable aspect to it. You can gauge about what time the sun is going to rise or the sun is going to set. But when you actually sit and observe the sun rising or the sun setting, you realize there is never the same sunrise or sunset ever. They have never been replicated. The clouds are never in the exact same place in the sky. It is impossible. It is absurd to think that we need to be like that same sunset. It is not possible for us. And if we try to force things to be that way, we become burdened. It is such a burden to try to uphold all of the labels we place on ourselves. It is a lot of work to to always be the same way. Life is meant to be a celebration. And part of that celebration is our ability to embrace life in the divine flow as it is in the moment we are in. Because just like the sunrise is different every single morning, where we are in our hearts and our creative expression of what that is, is different every single morning as well. And every single moment of the day, we have this gift, this honor, if you will, to express life in an organic, authentic way that is based in our ability to be present with what is arising. So if your lover wants to have tea with you and have philosophical conversations, celebrate it. If your lover wakes up and goes straight to work, 
and drinks tea at their desk and you are left to do your own creative work, celebrate it. It is an opportunity. And these are all metaphorically speaking. You could apply this idea of being consistently inconsistent to any experience in your life, to any relationship you have in your life. I have many yoga students who practice with me on a consistent basis. They show up year after year, week after week to practice. And some days their bodies are stiff. And some days their bodies are wide open. And it's up to me to meet them where they are in the present moment rather than where they were yesterday. Indeed, if I try to force someone to do a pose that I saw them do yesterday, but it's just not happening, they could get injured, especially if I'm giving them a hands-on adjustment and trying to push them as far as they were on a day when they felt really open. So I love teaching yoga for this reason, actually, because it forces me essentially to see people where they are in the moment and embrace that place rather than holding them to where they were yesterday. And this is the same for anyone who's in the healing profession. You know, your your clients will always be in a different place. It might look similar to where they were the week before, but I can assure you it is not. The ability to meet people where they are at is the ability to give them as many chances as they need You know what I mean? Like, for example, if someone behaves in a way that's negative or disrespectful, if you cling on to that and hold them to the fact that they're always negative or disrespectful, then you lock off your heart to meeting that person where they're at when their heart is wide open. So the ability to embrace people where they are at is also the ability to forgive people whenever they have been in a place that is not as optimal or as beautiful as they think they're capable of being. Making no assumptions is the ability also to say, you know what, if someone behaves negatively, you know what, I have no idea what's going on for this person right now. And nothing is actually personal. So whatever is up for that person, it's okay. You know, we can't assume we know either. The ability to allow others to be who they are is basically the ability to get out of the way and receive life as it comes. I know living on this island in Hawaii, we see the same people day in and day out. There have been occasional times where I've had a falling out with someone. And I have found as long as I clung to that person being that way, like, oh, they're, they're not cool with me or they don't support me, they're a hater. As long as I cling on to that, that seems to be what I receive from that person. One day I realized that. I was forcing those who I've struggled with to remain in struggle with me, even if I wasn't interacting with them. Just the thought that, oh, we don't get along, was really locking off my heart to who those people were in the present moment. As soon as I was willing to let go of those assumptions about how those people were, I was able to open my heart to them again. And I'm really pleased to say I've healed a few of those broken relationships and made things really good again between us. And, you know, that's the idea of 
you know, giving second chances, give third chances, give fourth chances, keep your heart open. Don't assume that just because things have always been negative, that they will continue to be. It's really empowering to realize this, that things don't have to remain stuck with others in relationship, whether it's a business or a personal relationship. Be willing to see that things can always shift. Things can always move in a direction that is favorable. If we are willing to stay open to the healing power of embracing life for where it is today and not holding others to how they are or were in the past. And the ability to not hold others or ourselves to the past is the ability to set others and ourselves free. When we set ourselves free, we become free to be who we are. And who we are does not need a label. We don't need to define it. We don't need to refine it. We simply need to arrive to it. And in that arriving, celebrate whatever is there. And in that celebration, we become capable of seeing a beauteous person or an object as if it is the first time. And in that newness, in those naked eyes, in that pure innocence of receiving life as it is, we realize it's truly all from the divine. It's truly all a gift. Every day, every moment, you are reborn. And in that rebirth, is the gift of being able to start fresh again and again. To make no assumptions is to embrace life as it is with a wide open heart. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Aloha.
yourselves under. This is the first step of self-realization. And the pranayama will bring you mental power. You'll be able to control your emotions. And gradually you become self-controlled. So yoga is really wonderful. Because in a very short time, one year, two years, three years, you may reach your enlightenment.